But the good thing is, now you're not only waiting for the city, you're also waiting for the provincial government. So now you have two wheels that's kind of spinning and you're sitting there like, can I please just get an answer? Hi everyone. Thank you so much for finding us on your favorite podcast app and or YouTube. My name is Joe Lee with Faith Wilson, Christie's International Real Estate. And my name is Jeff Chan, also licensed with Faith Wilson, Christie's International Real Estate. And starting from today, we're also known as the Mike for Vancouver Real Estate. Good morning, Jeff. <laughs> Good morning, Joe. <laughs> Every week, I gotta do something a little bit different. <laughs> I know, how are you today? Good, I'm doing well, kind of cold. As you can tell, in the last four weeks, my jacket just gets thicker and thicker and thicker. Yeah, and hey, I got my vessies ready for uh, puddle season, so I feel good to go and ready for uh, this week's podcast. Are you helping us get a sponsorship? Oh, I don't know, maybe. Oh, hey. Uh, <laughs> SC team, if you're listening to this. Um, <clears throat> we're open for sponsorships. <laughs> you know where to find us. <laughs> wow, what a start to the podcast. Uh, all right, uh, but in a serious note, uh, this week, it's our uh, more relaxing week in terms of our po uh, podcast topic. Uh, and we wanted to focus on the biggest news that came out from our real estate market last week. Mm -hmm. It's not really real estate related, it's more politics related, which is David Ebby. David Ebby, soon to be next premier of British Columbia. Mm -hmm. Big news, big news. Huge and, news. You know, um, during that race, he did talk about uh, some big housing proposals, yeah. which of course, uh, people like us, Joe and I, who are in the industry, immediately take a vested interest in it. And we thought it'd make a pretty uh, interesting podcast episode for today. So similar to our cooling off period, mm -hmm. uh, we're just going to kind of keep it light and give our opinions and thoughts on it. And at the end of the podcast, uh, we'll see what we think. Yeah. And then at least this way, you are well equipped on... Um what we would expect coming out of next year mm -hmm. because it seems like 2023 is gearing up to be a very interesting year for real estate. Oh yeah. With all these new things that's coming and these new rules. I cannot wait. <laughs> Can you hear the excitement in my voice? <laughs> now out of uh, David Eby's plan, he has a lot. I think we're gonna pick four that we think we feel like it's gonna be most impactful to the real estate market. And like what Jeff says, we'll kind of talk a little bit about it and give you our thoughts and then, uh, and then we'll go from there. Let's right. go. Let's Numero go. uno. All right. Okay. Initiative to override municipal authority to issue and approve permits for building. Fingers crossed here, boys and girls. Um, Joe and I are very hopeful about this initiative yeah. uh, if executed properly. On the surface level, when we first look at it, we think, hey, well, a big issue, as we always say in the Vancouver real estate market, is the lack of supply. So if they are able to expedite this process to approve permits, then hey, the builders will be happy, our builder clients will be happy, more homes will be coming onto the market, there'll be more selection, and hopefully prices and affordability will come down as more inventory comes to play. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? But... but <laughs> I was just waiting for it, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joe's already waiting for the shoe to drop. But, but there's a couple of issues. Number one, staffing. So they're going to have to come up with an entire new department um, run by the provincial government mm -hmm. to oversee what's going on in all of these local markets. Mm -hmm. 
who's going to train these people? What type of qualification process are they going to go through? How will they know what the market is like in 100 mile house? What is the OCP in that area? What if like you said, what's the example that you use? Uh, well, I did use 100 mile house for, or yeah, 100 mile house was the thing. No wonder you said 100 mile house. Yeah. That was when we, before <laughs> we came to the podcast, you yeah. took my thing. But what we were saying before the podcast is like, look, like Vancouver is Vancouver. Everybody kind of knows Vancouver and kind of the nuances of Vancouver. But mm-hmm. once you get into like these smaller towns within BC, like what are you gonna do? You, you don't know anything about it. So you either do two things. You either go approve, 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 mm-hmm. which we see an issue behind that because you're gonna approve something where the neighbors are like, you can't approve this. Yeah, and then you know what happens when there's a group of angry people, they're gonna sue. Yes, exactly. And that's not good. Or the second option is, okay, well, let give us some time to review your, you know, objections, your permit, and let's see what we could do. But we definitely need to kind of get into a little bit deeper because we don't want to do the wrong decision. And then guess mm. what happens? <laughs> Sound familiar? I think we've seen how this movie plays out. That's exactly what's going on right now with the Vancouver uh, city. But the good thing is now you're not only waiting for the city, <clears throat> You're also waiting for the provincial government. So now you have two wheels that's kind of spinning and you're sitting there like, can I please just get an answer? <laughs> right? Yeah. So worst case scenario, we're going to waste time, money and resources mm-hmm. and not solve the problem. Yeah, exactly. No, I, or I mean, the worst case scenario is they just approve everything and then they start getting sued left, right and center. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And the second one that we feel like is worthwhile to talk about is the blanket triplex zoning. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very hopeful for this, actually. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't love a Vancouver special? I know. Right? This is basically them saying the Vancouver special that everybody was doing in Vancouver East Side is now legal mm-hmm. <laughs> right and it's now encouraged because mm-hmm. they need to up the density just so you guys know if you guys don't know what a vancouver special is just imagine this you go in as a house you go into the front entrance on the lower floor there is another door on your left hand side and that whole section of the lower side is probably a two or three bedroom um a suite and then you go to the right hand side is probably the mirror image of that one that we just talked about and then there's a staircase that you can go up and then there's another family living on the second floor that is a Vancouver special in case you don't know about it. Now, of course, it's great to hear that they are just gonna allow people to do this. Mm-hmm. Right? It sounds great, increased density on the surface value. I love it. But, that's this is my but, but I'm still also seeing some issues. You remember many, many years ago when the city of Vancouver just went, yeah, I mean, you know, you know what? 95% of what, uh, all the zonings in the city of Vancouver can build into duplexes. Mm-hmm. And then they expected like a lot of people building duplexes. <laughs> Did that happen? Nope. Nope. I mean, there are some people that's building duplexes, but mm-hmm. it's not as much as what the city wants. Even the city admitted to this, I think, right? Yeah, they didn't get the desired result because building and selling a duplex, there's a lot more that goes into it. You know, the, co- the cost of building two homes versus what they can actually sell it for doesn't necessarily make sense all the time. It doesn't, it isn't worthwhile for the builders 100% and, of the time. And you know why it doesn't it doesn't seem worthwhile because it's linked to the first topic that we just talked about. Because when you want to build a duplex, what do you need? Permits, permits, and more permits. <laughs> exactly. So yes, increasing density sounds great, but if the permit is still going to take forever, then it really doesn't give the builders a lot of 
incentives into building this because there's a lot of standing costs. The mm -hmm. biggest reason why a lot of builders, they were unwilling to build duplexes as quickly as the city wants is because every time they're trying to do it, it's one year of this permit, one and a half years of that permit. And well, owning the land, they have property taxes, they have mortgages and all that stuff. That's mm -hmm. eating all right into their profit margin. So of course, this being three units, hopefully the math makes a lot more sense and people are able to wait, but it's only, there's it's still a ticking time clock. Like at a certain point, if it's, the wait is way too long, then okay, well, I'm not doing this either. Yep, because I mean, first and foremost, developers are in this to do business. Yeah. And in business, your number one goal is to make profits. Exactly, and if they don't make profit, they might as well sit on their butt on the couch and watch TV. Mm -hmm. because I mean why are you doing all this work mm -hmm. well I always used to say we go out we don't do charity work where we go out there we expect some sort of return to make our own individual lives a little bit better 100%. Right? so long story short I feel like in order to make the second point viable very very viable I guess the first overriding and this is you know basically speeding up the permit process goes hand in hand mm -hmm. that's where you really going to see a positive result on what you're trying to do if the permit is still going to take like two years being able to build three units like that's going to make very very small differences because builders aren't going to be doing it mm -hmm. right so that's a very good point yeah so uh, those are the first uh the first two and then let's get into the juicy stuff you know mm -hmm. before the podcast started we spent quite a bit of time literally just going back and forth back and forth in regards to the next two things that we're going to talk about I will say the first one, which is um, they are planning to ban all rental restrictions for condos. So it doesn't matter if it's built after 2010 or it's built before 2010. Not allowed anymore. And this is the word that Joe used to describe this statement. Puzzling. Puzzling is the word I used. Right? Um, why do I feel puzzled? Um, two reasons. Well, the main reason is because I feel like rental removing the rental restrictions is not going to help the affordability mm -hmm. right now any home that has some sort of rental restrictions are generally priced a little bit lower than you know the ones that does not have that particular rule because yep. their pie is smaller i always say in real estate when your pie is smaller then it's probably it's harder to kind of get that price appreciation that you want because mm -hmm. just less people are buying your stuff and when less people buy your stuff your thing is just not as valuable mm -hmm. right but that was kind of like almost like a safety net for a lot of these people that want to get into a really nice neighborhood. And, but they cannot pay the regular price. They need to buy something that's a little bit lower in price. <laughs> Scratch point. getting into a nice neighborhood. Let's talk about getting into any neighborhood. True, right? So what I'm trying to say is by removing the ban on Strata, uh, on, uh, strata for any home that's built before or after 2010, you're not really helping. You're actually hurting the group that really needs this which is the two groups that i can think of is the first-time home buyers mm -hmm. because first-time home buyers they they the price 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 they just everything is based on price yep and the second one is retirees retirees they have a little bit higher standard of you know they want to know their neighbors they want to make sure that everybody's quiet and all that stuff so you're not helping that group either mm -hmm. what you're doing is now you're inviting a lot of this investors speculators getting into these buildings and then basically turn it upside down right um, and also because once you have a higher percentage of investor in a particular building, the complex itself won't be as well taken care of as well. Mm -hmm. We always say that, you know, the best managed and cared for 
properties are the ones that are predominantly owner occupied. And there are so many examples of this. I mm -hmm. mean, the best example I would say is, um, let's say UBC. Hampton Place, which is the oldest neighborhood, and a lot of them does have rental restrictions. Some of those buildings, I feel like is better maintained than Westbrook Village, which is just the newest community in UBC mm -hmm. that obviously uh, a lot of people bought it for investment. Mm -hmm. And that I feel like just comparing those, those communities, you understand exactly what we're trying to say. When you have a rental restriction, the building just naturally get taken care of a lot better. Mm -hmm. Now you're robbing people out of this particular option. That's one. And the second thing is, is this even going to help with anything? Mm -hmm. Why? And because thanks to you, you actually provide me with this stats is that um, based on some Vancouver Suns article, uh, they wrote one in 2018 and wrote one in uh, this year, is that our most vacant homes in the city is actually the ones that's built after 2010. Yeah, it was like a staggering 25 to 35 percent. That's vacant. In comparison, any home that was built before 2010 Significant is an understatement. Mm -hmm. Anything below uh, built before 2010 actually has a vacancy less than 1%. We went from 20 to 35% to below 1%. So yeah, okay, you're gonna ban rent, uh, rental restrictions for Strata, hoping that there will be more products onto the market, but we're talking about less than 1%. Doesn't really seem like they're focusing on the right area here to me. Yeah, so you're not opening up more supply, and you're really hurting the first-time home buyers and the retirees that wants to, you know, be in those buildings. Let me just add another kicker. <laughs> those properties that you're talking about, the ones with rental restrictions, those are also oftentimes self-managed companies mm -hmm. because they can't afford to hire a property manager. Mm -hmm. If you open those up into rentals, what's going to happen? The Strata Council is going to get overloaded and overworked, and yeah. then nobody's going to want to be on Strata, and then what's going to happen to the building? Like chaos. Chaos. Complete chaos. So... On the flip side, you're not helping this group. On the flip side, you're not really helping anybody. The, the real group that you're helping is all these investors and speculators that have been wanting to buy into Kitsilano older building for like the last 10 years. They're gonna be able to do so. And they're gonna rent it out for $4,000 because of the proximity towards the beach. And then that's gonna elevate the whole price of that particular building. And then the next person is gonna come and be like, why are you asking so much? Well, I, I don't sell it to you. I'll just rent it and I can get my money back that way. Mm -hmm. Who are you helping? Once again. <laughs> very, very good question. Yeah. And then I will leave the juiciest one with you. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> okay. Finally, the last one is taxing house flippers. Well, okay, let's first of all, we gotta define what, what is a house flipper that we're talking about. We're not talking about like buying a home, improving on it, and then selling it down the road. What this is targeting is targeting people who are um, selling a home within two years of buying it. They want to add an additional tax. Aside yeah. from the capital gains tax and the business income tax that is already in play. Mm -hmm. This makes zero sense to Joe and I. Yeah. Because there's already very little home flipping in BC. Yeah, because of everything that you just talked about. Right? We have all these other taxes that really, really discourage people from flipping houses mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong guys like we don't like flippers either we don't work with a lot of flippers anyways we work with investors and investors and flippers are different mm -hmm. flippers are where literally you buy a house you do zero improvements on it you just literally hold on to it and then you sell it for a substantial amount higher on also like a lift mm -hmm. by doing nothing 
that doesn't help anybody. And we definitely do not agree with uh, people who are doing that. And by extension, how many of those are even still around? Because mm -hmm. what people, a lot of people don't understand is that in real estate, there's a lot of friction costs. Mm -hmm. And what a friction cost is your property transfer tax, your, your lawyer fee, your realtor commissions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So in order for a flip to actually be successful, that just means that in a very short period of time, prices has to elevate very, very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. right? And if you guys follow our market updates, you know that in the last 10 years, there's only very few, few um, points mm -hmm. where that actually was possible. Even during COVID, Joe, you were saying how that didn't really happen that it much. It didn't really even happen that much mm -hmm. because like, a because of the friction costs, like yeah, the price the prices has gone up, but then mm -hmm. after you take away all the friction costs, there's really no money to be made. Well, not only that, but as soon as you sold the house, it took you you went to a multiple offer against thirty other people to try and buy another one. Yeah. So they couldn't even flip another house. Yeah. So and then that's that's what I'm trying to say is like the only real flippers on the market are the people that bought pre-sell mm -hmm. but pre-sell it's like it's not like they buy a pre-sell and then they try to assign the contract three months later mm -hmm. they buy the pre-sell they wait until the construction goes up sometimes it might be two sometimes it might be three if you're in burnaby it could be like six years now right mm -hmm. and then you wait like five six years when the building is about to be done and then you bring it onto the market to 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 flip it but then there's already an assignment clause yeah there's assignment fee assignment clause business income there's all of that stuff already mm -hmm. in place as well so that's why i'm just thinking is like the anti-flipping once again you're not really stopping anyone and now we're going to talk about who this is actually hurting mm -hmm. which you actually previously brought up which is the renovators yes and who if you hurt this group who you're going to end up hurting the most yeah yeah like the the reno flippers yeah the reno flippers so these people to me are just entrepreneurs you know they look at a property it could be completely run down not livable windows smashed doors boarded up and all that jazz they buy the property they're the ones that assumes the risk spends 100k to renovate it and get it up to standard and bringing more supply back onto the market even if you were a first-time homeowner you would not have the money, resources, know-how or the expertise to do the same process what they look for is something that is turnkey and ready to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that the people who are buying a home and renovating it, like they're actually providing a service mm -hmm. to the industry. Right. I don't know if you agree. I, know, I'm, and I do agree. And I just like to say, these guys, they put in a lot of risk onto themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Because the renovation thing, that's cash, 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 mm -hmm. right? So, and then what happens during the renovation, the market swings the other way. They have to be responsible with the risk mm -hmm. so why are we literally just taking this whole segment of real estate away mm -hmm. for for what we talked about oh let's prevent people from flipping mm -hmm. but i don't really foresee this as a true flip no and i definitely think that they should uh have more clarity about uh this entire house flipping thing yeah. because i think honestly those people, we need these people. Yeah, no, true. And here's how I always say, okay, in order to do a house flip, you're probably buying to a older building mm -hmm. and the, probably the home is probably in disarray. Like you just, it's probably almost unlivable, mm -hmm. right? So if you renovated it and then, you know, and then you put that cost back into the, uh, into the home, it is still gonna be significantly cheaper than for example, the new building that's building right across the street. 100%. Right. And what else were we saying? The first time homeowner, if they were trying to do this, they can't put that cost into their mortgage. It's exactly. Right. So now, okay, 
I can't do this this way. I can't buy a new building because I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Then my only option is I have to get out of town mm-hmm. or get out of the city. Or you're renting for life. Or renting for life. Like before the podcast started, I, I was just thinking like I had a client. I was just talking to this client. Let's just call him Jay. That's his short name. Um, basically, he was telling me he was like, because I help like you know I help them buy into into Metro Town into a much older building, but mm-hmm. reputable developer, uh, and it was a renovator that spent good amount of cash and money into it, and it's quality renovations, right? And he was telling me that because I just wanted to talk to him about this, right? And he was just telling me he's like Joe, if this was implemented, I don't think I would be able to afford where I wanted to afford. Because they're buying in Metro Town, mm-hmm. right? Metro Town pre-sale, we all know what the price is. Right? <laughs> yep. So he was able to get into it's literally the center of Metro Town, renovated it, and still about forty percent cheaper than what a pre-sale is around the corner to his house. So he was literally telling me that Joe, if this was not on the table, I probably had to go to Coquitlam or even further out, which was not doable for me because mm-hmm. you know my girlfriend. You know, works in downtown Vancouver. So obviously, at the end of the conversation, he was very, very pleased that he was able to buy into all of this before any of this was implemented. Mm-hmm. Right? So just, just once again, like, who are we hurting? Who are we helping? I just, with all of this, without even, uh, without even more detail, it's kind of like, you know, the, the cooling off period. It seems like on paper, we're helping this group. But in reality, we're actually hurting this group and we're indirectly helping the group that we don't want to help in the first place. Yeah, or is that their plan all along? Or, or that's the case, right? We don't know. We don't know. And, you know, like we always talk about in, in, the, in that podcast too that we bounce back and forth ideas on how we think um, we can improve the situation. And again, these are just our personal opinions and mm-hmm. thoughts. It's, um, but you, I think you know where I'm getting at with this. If they really wanted to target the affordability issue, as our listeners, how would you feel if I told you or we told you that 26% of the purchase price of your home actually went into fees to the government? Yep. So if you don't, if you can't quantify that, if you bought a condo that's about a million dollars in 2008, 18, sorry, 2018, how would you feel like if I tell you that $260,000 goes to you know, the city and the developer has $740,000 remaining before cement, before marketing, before all of this stuff, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not trying to tell you to feel bad for the developer. Like We just want you guys to understand that this is actually the playing field. Yeah, so what happens is basically a developer has to pay an additional 26% to uh, the Community Amenity Contribution or the CAC mm-hmm. to, for whatever reason, they could say that they're improving uh, roads, they School. could say they're schools, building more childcare, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you already know who actually pays for that mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. If the developer has to pay this additional 26%, don't you think that 26% is just gonna get transferred directly to that consumer, mm-hmm. you and mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're bringing this up uh, before the podcast started is, yes, I understand what they're seeing was let's increase density, let's increase um, um, uh, the the speed that we can build. But another way that they could truly help with the affordability crisis right off the get-go is really maybe considering reducing the community amenities contribution as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand it might be difficult because these are probably all allocated to different tax departments, what have you. 
but that's truly the way to really tackle the unaffordability that everybody's you know, ex- you know voicing right now. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's a quicker way. So well, one of the things that we suggested is like, yeah, do this and do this, and also reduce the uh, community amenities contribution. And I bet you anything. Well, number one, there'll be more builders willing to build triplexes. Of course. Right, because they don't have to pay so much. Number two, a lot of developers are willing to build something that's a lower quality in terms of buildings mm-hmm. because they can feel like, okay, if I build something that is not super high end, I still have profit margins per unit mm-hmm. that I could, you know, yeah, because your costs are less. Exactly, and then that's how you're gonna push down the price for pre-sales and all that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, like I said, it's just just like the cooling off period. It's like I hate to you know keep repeating myself. It's like yeah, like I feel like what you're saying sounds great if someone is not reading into it. Mm-hmm. And I know what the purpose is because you don't want people to read deeper into it because you want people to read it and be like, good policies. Tell them vote. what they want to hear. Yeah, I better vote for this guy. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm saying, and I hope we're wrong. Really, truly, Jeff, yeah. I hope we're wrong. We, I hope that it's just too early into 2022 that the the the, the exemptions, the fine prints, just hasn't come out yet. And maybe once that comes out, we might have a different opinion on all of this stuff. Well, it sounds like the provincial government has their work cut out for them for the next. Two months until uh, 2023? Oh, come on. It's more like one month. We, nobody works in December. Come on. <laughs> Let's be real about this. Well, yeah, Joe's going to Hawaii in December. And no. You know who's going to be working? This guy. Yeah, <laughs> so that, that's true. <laughs> that, yes, that's true. And now I'm just imprinting this to everybody. Yeah, you're not working in December. Yeah. Um, but still, like, I'm hoping, all jokes aside, hoping that maybe in the flip of the new calendar year, we can revisit this just like we promised our listeners that we'll revisit the cooling off period mm-hmm. and maybe be able to kind of show people like oh this is what they meant mm-hmm. oh these are the fine prints okay these are the playing field and it's great mm-hmm. well i mean a man can hope right uh, absolutely <laughs> and i mean like i think the topic we picked today was great it, it literally affects everyone who's listening uh and everyone who lives in bc mm-hmm. so uh, we hope you appreciated it and enjoyed it um mm-hmm. and if you have any comments and questions as always uh feel free to reach out to us um my name is jeff my name is joe help us with the algorithms and we are from the mike for vancouver real estate thank you so much for listening and we look forward to seeing you next week bye, bye now guys